This is our podcast series about Red Dwarf called Ruganano. 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 Take one, Dengig? Yeah, take one. Let's go with take one. Right. Take one. Beep, 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 beep. Welcome to this podcast about Red Dwarf. My name is Dedanya. My name is Leonard. And we are two socially awkward Dutch guys. I'm not sure about about the socially awkward uh, thing. For an autistic, I'm doing doing very well, I feel. Well, then it's just me. Mm -hmm. Then it's one suave, sophisticated uh, man about town and uh, one hermit. He's not as hermitical as he pretends. So... Let's uh, leave the personal stuff uh, aside for the moment. We're sure we'll get into that as well. We're going to watch all of the first season of Red Dwarf, and then we're going to talk about it. Well, all of six episodes, but yeah, that's that's the the idea. Now, the first episode is called The End, so let's start at the beginning. You you introduced Red Dwarf to me. I did? Yes, you had the videotapes, and you gave them to me for a weekend, and then I binge-watched five seasons. We're talking about well, well, somewhere in the 90s. Somewhere in the 90s. Yeah, well, I myself got into Red Dwarf, I think, around... That must have been 1991, I think, which makes it a very good year for me. 1991. Incidentally, if my accent changes all over the place, that's that's because... Uh, well, we're non-native speakers. We'll, that's, we'll go from Blackpool to Georgia and... All over the... I mean, yeah, I all mean, over the planet. Soon I'll, I'll be talking like a valley girl. But no. Anyway, yeah, 1991. Probably making that a red letter year. I'm pretty sure I got into it by the third series, even the first episode uh, was Polymorph, which I'm sure you remember. And, well, I obtained the tapes later when I became slightly obsessed with the series, as I, I tend to do, socially uh, awkward or not. Yeah, and, and it's but it's sort of been, as to many people, a sort of background uh, thingy that's always sort of singing around in part of your brain, wet dwarf, because it's... Sort but of it, it wasn't uh, by accident that you came across Red Dwarf. You always kept an, uh, an eye out on what was good comedy on BBC. Yeah, I think that started... I think that's, I th- it must have been around the same time as the Mary White's experience. Exactly. A sort of Another shared passion. Strange tangent there. Another shared passion. Not that strange a tangent, actually, because uh, to prepare for this podcast, I also listened to the commentary versions of the first episode. And during it, uh, Grant or Naylor or Ed By mentioned some other people that had done additions for the show. And one of them had been David Bedeal of Mary Whitehouse experience. He had auditioned or he was at least considered for the part of Lister. As was at one point you, Laurie. That would have been a completely different show. Yeah. Completely Ut- Utterly different. Utterly different show. I'm glad that that didn't happen. On some, although I would at some point, I mean, would have, would have liked to see at least would have looked like the additions. I wonder if the addition tapes are, are still somewhere. I, I don't, don't think there were tapes of that. Uh, I don't think it was that kind of Hollywood thing. Alan Rickman even read for the yeah. part of Lister, but well, he, Lister, but he would have been a, a in a pub. very good Rimmer, that, don't that, you? He, yeah, he he wanted either Lister or, or Rimmer, well, but in the end, he he didn't do it, and yeah, he went to yeah have a marvelous movie career and went to yeah went to Die Hard. And, and, so and, he probably and, made the right choice. So yeah, he was also in the 
in the, the the film series uh, by by oh my god Alan Rickman Alan Rickman was he was in that what movie but which one what was it called again yet Mole Rats and Clerks and uh, and Chasing Amy and Chasing Amy and, and Kevin the, uh, he played a Kevin Smith oh Dogma Smith. yeah right that, yeah, that was in Dogma that. he yeah. played the Angel Metatron oh yeah Alan Rickman oh, I, I, I can't do it um, I keep seeing people doing impersonations of Alan Rickman and for some reason that makes me think I can do Alan Rickman but as soon as the first sound leaves my mouth I realize oh I can't do an Alan Rickman Alan Rickman is Alan Rickman Alan Rickman was in another in a, in a science fiction parody movie sort of parody movie uh, uh, which was a Star Trek parody uh, Galaxy 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 Quest, Quest. Uh, anyway he and he was an a, played an alien in, f- in pretty full ears his ears were in makeup no no his, his, his entire head was it oh no mostly his entire well I mean from, from the, the brow up as it were so he got his SF comedy kick in yeah, the it was end. a sort of cross between Lieutenant Worf and Mr. Spock oh I, f- I, for- I forgot my notes them. My my notes. Oh, hi there. Well, leaving me the the time to remark that either all this is is the whole crossover thing is either a result of of some cosmic coincidence or the BBC is a very incestuous institution, and I'll leave that up to the listener, who I'm sure have their own opinions on the subject. Let's start with with the episode. We start with uh, Lister and Rimmer. Dave Lister is our main protagonist, and Rimmer is his. Uh, yeah, obnoxious, toadying, completely anal, yeah. slightly uh, more senior officer. It's 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 a very simple scene, but it's a very good establishing scene. Yeah, you I immediately feel. know that Lister is a slob. Yeah, who but likable, like, very likable, and that Rimmer is, uh, yeah, un, un, understandably, he's 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 a prick. He's, he's a prick. He's, he's a prick. He's a, a smeghead. A smeghead, which comes in in the first scene. That wonderful, wonderful word. Universal insult, smeghead, uh, implying... What does it imply, really? I mean, smegma is a lubricant secreted <laughs> by the uh, the penis. Oh, my colleague is now... Is now, is now yeah, and I knew you. I just knew you were gonna of it going to mention it. Because you mentioned it when we were having lunch just it's before recording this podcast. And he couldn't handle it, ladies and gentlemen. I swear to God. Well, anyway, it's a perfect, it's a perfectly good excretion of the human body. It's very useful, necessary, and you can clean your penis every day or so. So that should not be a problem. Anyway, and it's one it. of the great arable uh, swear words. Yeah, it's it's it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful invention. It's, it's above it's the hearing frequency of Mary Whitehouse. It's up there with frack. Frack, which uh, fracking is, is well, it's a process. It's, that's not really insect, though. That's no, but, f- but I don't even. Chemical, um, I don't watch the show, but I know the the the, the swear they use. Frack. It's from that. It's, it's from that. It's from that, it's from that uh, sequel. That that the sequel they did to the A Team, but in space. Face in space. Firefly. No, face in space. You remember oh, in the eighties? Uh, that'll be Battle Spark oh. Galactica, but then the new version. Battle Scar Galactica. They say frack, but Smeghead is even even better, <laughs> but. Let's go to it the scene. It might also be reference to this to this to a, a, a very expensive brand of refrigerators, with which <laughs> you could have avoided this entire uh, apparently distasteful uh, dis- or discourse about sm- smegma. Uh, but I, I don't think they were looking at refrigerators when they I came up with this. Swear I word. mean, he's tall. He's kind of cool. Uh, anyway, smeghead. It is. It's the. It's the. What's the word? It's the to go to insult word to refer to anyone who is well specifically Rimmer. Mostly, and mostly Rimmer is the recipient of that word. It describe stupidity or, or, or dull-wittedness. You bunch of smackheads, that sort of thing. It's a universal insult. So Not let's like go that. back to the scene. Let's go back to the scene. They are fixing a, a vending machine, or a, at least some kind of food apparatus, and the 
chicken soup nozzle is clogged. Is clogged. Is clogged. So there's a special nozzle for the chicken soup. This is well, actually, it's a very good idea, I think. But you'd have to have a lot of nozzles. Okay, if no, if you don't know Red Dwarf, and if you don't, I don't know why you're listening to, the, to this podcast. But we've not established that we are on a spaceship. That's a very good point. It's it, it, it does have a sort of it does have a sort of, of submarine sort of uh, thing or, or, or battleship or yeah. The TV shows you know that you're in a spaceship because you see the spaceship in the intro, but we haven't established that and. It's set in the future. How far in the future is it set? That's roughly the second half, the latter half of the 21st century was initially the concept, which is not nearly far enough in the future, all things considered. Because at this point, I think I feel free to, to refer to this. At this point, humanity has actually settled various moons, various satellites. the Titan. Belt, Titan, uh, Mimas, mentioned. Ganymede, Io, importantly. It's, it, the solar system is a settled place, is industrialized. Uh, the book mentions thousands of ships, and Red Dwarf itself is is uh, is immense, gigantic. How big is it? It's six miles long. Estimated six miles, yeah. And in the TV show, they say that the crew is comprised of one hundred and sixty-nine people. Is that the same as in the book? I don't no, remember. Not really. um, in the book, it, it says eleven thousand one hundred and sixty-nine, which is still not a lot for for a ship. That's that's it's it's the size volume-wise of a large city, obviously. Of course, a lot will be taken up with, with the engines and the hold, the, the cargo hold, which will come up later. So we are on a spaceship and we meet two lowly engineers who have to fix uh, the, the chicken soup nozzle, which doesn't work, which makes me think, is there a nozzle for everything that you can get? Because Coffee, they mentioned, they mentioned co- but also the, mas- the most strange things that you can get. Well, the th- strange thing is, although there is a nozzle there, when the food is actually ordered, instead of something streaming out of a nozzle, a sort of compartment slams down with <laughs> yeah. the thing inside it in a cup. I, they didn't think it through. Well, I mean, the production value was was pretty low on this first series. It was, but it was does it does it matter? Like seven does it matter? Already. I always think that comedy works better in cheap sets. It's hybrid, though, isn't it? It's it's, it's character driven comedy, but it's also science fiction. Some of the plot points are science fiction based. Yeah, but the, they even work in in a shoddy set because I think the comedy has to work more than the science fiction really has to work. It was established uh, that that the ship is is an old clunker. It's an mm-hmm. old ship at the time of the series, and it's it's it doesn't work very well. Hence, the 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 maintenance crew, which is what they are, engineers, is really glorifying it. it. They clean stuff, and as as Lister remarks, is is that this is a job that's not done by robots because the robots have a better union than they do. This is another one point I really want to make is. I don't know which part in the epi- in this episode I want to make it, but I think I, I want to make it now. Mm-hmm. And that is Lister and Rimmer, they're really lowly technicians. They do stuff that even the scutters, the ro- little robots that, uh, yeah. that that they have on the ship, they, they don't even want to do that. But sometime later in the episode, there is a rather uh, a big uh, event, a big accident, mm-hmm. and it seems that uh, Rimmer is responsible for that accident. How is it possible that such a low, the, the lowest technician mm-hmm. possible? Well, pretty much. B- b- well, only, only Lister is, is, is lower in rank well, than, than really Rimmer. He's an engineer. He's, he's, he's a cleanup guy. Why is Rimmer made responsible for fixing a drive plate, sealing a drive plate, and it's, it's unthinkable. It's, it's, this is a very important uh, ceiling and drive plate. I don't know what the drive plate does or what it is, but apparently it's very important because it's, it's, it, because it's done it's incorrectly McGuffin. and it has uh, fatal uh, consequences for the this ship. This was actually a plot point in an episode several seasons later. 
where another member of, of the later member of the crew. So we'll mention that when we get to that episode, to, which is in a future series, so that it could take I don't know. Who, who, who knows? Who but knows? It, 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 he believes that he is responsible for uh, the accident uh, in which he died. We could, well, we should we should mention that by now. I I would like we would already mentioned it was a setup scene, and this this. This, the episode goes on to to establish, as it were, Red Dwarf as a ship, as an as an, a community of people. We see we meet several different people, several different characters. We meet the captain. We meet Lister, who is that's the whole spectrum of, of officers covered. We got the captain, who is not very officious, who is very much a working man. He's this fat guy. He's he's grumpy. You can tell he's a he's a working man. He's 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 not happy in his job, but he does it and he does it well. And he's got a whole staff underneath him, including the energetic first officer, Todd Hunter, who Todd, is oh, happy. He's, he's, he's happy in his job. That's the weird thing. You see, this is a guy who's the first officer, an old clunker of a ship. That means this guy's going places. He's clearly aware of this. He's happy in his job. He's friendly to everyone, both Rimmer and Lister, which is which is interesting in itself. Uh, he's very forgiving. He's very forgiving. Uh, we have we have Peterson, who is the comical drunk guy. Mark Williams. His name is Mark. We are the actor. Well, I didn't know that. I mean, oh, sorry. He's Danish in the in the show. Yeah. Or at least that's assumed. His accent is implacable. He's a great. Uh, he's yeah. He's a wonderful comedy actor. He went uh, later on. L- later went on to do the Fast Show. I need to see that. And the the Strangerers and all kinds of oh, other yeah, things. Yeah, that, that was him. You see, I, f- I forgot about. Yeah. That. Oh, and uh, he played Beach in Blandings. Uh, he was wonderful in that. Oh. And then he played f- uh, f- uh, Father Brown. He had his own detective series. V- very Brown. good. Very good. It's very. Yeah. I am IMDb Mark Williams, and you will find lots and of great things. And the weird things. thing is, he's, he's technically speaking a throwaway character. But the he, point we get, we get establishing, we get. It's the full idea of throwaway this, characters so like because the, all the characters are thrown away. Well, that's what I'm coming to. The, the, we have this. This first half of the episode is basically setting up. The idea: this is a space sitcom with all these interesting characters. George McIntyre, who is actually the navigating officer, but he's dead. And he's the a first, hologram. yeah, the first hologram. I think the first hologram character in any TV show. That's quite possible. Not sure. The thing is, he's dead, but he was resurrected by the computer. His personality was like everyone else's person. It was was uh, recorded and coded in the ship's computer banks. And once he got killed, committed suicide, according to the novelization. He was recreated because he ranked. He was recreated as a hologram, capable of of, of interacting and speaking, but not uh, by touching anything. He was like, well, a hologram. But why was he so happy to be alive again if he committed suicide? Because dying uh, relieved him of the factors for killing himself. He was he was in debt with oh, the yeah, mafia. That, that, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now he's dead, and they couldn't touch him anymore, literally. But that's not in the TV show. But no, it is in it the is book. It is a novelization, which which expands a great deal. It tells, for instance, why Lister is on the ship. More more about that, and why. Well, well, the next thing because Lister uh, and all these all these characters, including Kuchansky, who is the I think she's a navigating officer. Um, who's a really cute? Uh, actually, she's she's presented as the cute woman, the intelligent Claire beautiful. Grogan. Claire Grogan, the intelligent, beautiful also a pop star woman of, of 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 the crew and the love interest. The whole thing is is organically presented. This is the crew. This is how they interact. These are the people. And then this so happens. The setup happens, and then suddenly you find out that this was not a setup. There's going to be another setup after the setup because. Everybody dies. Everybody's Everybody dead, dies. Dave. Everybody's dead, Dave. Everybody okay, we, Dave we, we missed, dead. We missed a couple of things. It turns out that our uh, protagonist, Lister, has a cat. He smuggled a, a cat. cat on board from Titan, and not For only... For incredibly silly reasons. In, in, the, 
in the episode, you think this guy is not just a lovable slob, he's also a complete moron. Because he, he wants a, a cow and a, and a dog, and he wants to breed horses. No, a cow and a sheep and breed a, horses. He wants a cow Fiji. and a sheep to breed horses on Fiji, on Fiji with his cat Frankenstein, who is pregnant. A pregnant cat by a big black tom on Titan. And the captain, no matter how forgiving he is, because I'm, I'm surprised that he doesn't just turn his bunk over, because the captain has detected a non-human life form on board and for some reason this is not legal this is not allowed so he wants Lister's cat not only have they detected it they know he has a cat because he had pictures of himself taken with the cat and had those photos uh, developed. developed on the ship which is again staggeringly stupid now the novel fills us in quite nicely this whole thing was intentional in the novel, Lister, at this point in the story, had already had an affair, a love affair with Kochensky, which he failed to do in the show. In the show, he's he flirting with her. He can t- t- tell that, that he has designs, and he tells Rimmer that he's in love with her, but he never actually does anything about it. No. But in the novel, he does, and they have a, a short love affair about six weeks, after which she breaks up with him gently and breaks his heart. Now, Lister has 18 <coughs> months left to go to get back to Earth, where he initially wanted to go. And he thinks, I'm not, this is not going to, I'm going to go crazy. I got to get some way around this. So he finds out, how do I get myself locked up into stasis? And the lowest, uh, the, 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 the offense tiniest possible. offense, there we go, offense possible, that warrants being locked up into stasis uh, is smuggling aboard a, an animal. And, and, and in the novel, it goes out of its way to say that he had bought for a rather high price the most pedigree, yeah, yeah, yeah. medically checked, absolutely safe catty, kitty he could get his hands on, and that was Frankenstein. So it was all it was all a setup on on his part, not some clumsy goof off. Eventually, he actually went out of his way to get caught by having photos taken with the cat because he hadn't been found out yet. So and then he got, well, as it turned, as we said, locked in, as happens in the TV show, obviously. So Locked do we have two completely do we have two completely different listers the one in the TV show who is an absolute idiot and one in the book who is some sort of mastermind because he plans really it into detail well he he uh, at least he plans it very well it's very well thought out and it works his plan works uh, the way the way he uh, wanted it to work it works it's in in, in the book can we keep the plot from the book in the back of our heads and watch the TV show and does that correlate, or is that... Well, with some minor adjustments. I mean, obviously, it wasn't written like for TV. Lister was written initially as irresponsible and uh, not too smart And the, the book is post-rationalization. So yeah, that's, that's a yeah, very so good term in this case. Yes. But I like the idea, because it was really pretty stupid. Hmm. And seeing him as a heartbroken guy, who's, I mean, the plan was, was pretty smart, but not that smart. He just eliminated... Ver- and he was really bored. It, the book also got a way to say he was bored mm. because they were in space for months, which does not come across in the series that well. Oh, I want to go back yeah. one little bit the, uh, before uh, Lister is put in stasis for the cat and before the the ship is destroyed. Um, oh, there is, the there's ship is destroyed. The, ship, uh, the people are, are all... Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. The people are, are, are dead. Killed. The ship is fine. Uh, there's the funeral of George McIntyre, and then there is his uh, welcome back party. As a hologram. And, uh, as a hologram. And the lowliest officers, it's, it's, it's a big party in the mess hall. Mm-hmm. Well, not that big. There are 169 people on board, but we only see about, yeah, 15 of those. And the people who are established as the lowliest members of the crew mm-hmm. are in front. 
well, not all the way in front, but... They are basically all the way in front. Well, budget constraints, I'm sure of it. I, I, I agree, and, and I don't care. And, I, and I'm, I'm just nitpicking just to show that I've watched uh, I've watched this thing uh, repeatedly and uh, well, and can and are over over analyze it Mr. But it says you cut away the fat I mean you could, you could he says 169 people in the world. we never get to see more than 20 because yeah. it's it would be silly I guess you, I suppose you could hire that many extras but where would you put them yeah the ship is not really that big at least the set is not and th- that's why it, it work it, it maybe doesn't work for the science fiction it doesn't make the ship that much more realistic well, for one thing, but but no it works for the comedy and what I w- yeah what I wanted to say earlier about uh, cheap sets I think comedy uh, is helped by cheap sets I think when it becomes more fancy when it becomes more slick it you get yeah you get l- the it sucks the comedy out of it the the quality of the craftsmanship sucks the the, the comedy out of it I think this is well illustrated by Saturday Night Live, which the bigger budget they get, uh, the the nicer the sets become, and the less funny it's, uh, oh, it I becomes. About that. I don't know that well, but I, I, and I when you that. when I you watch that. Monty Python, you can see the sh- sets wobble <laughs> as well. But does it matter? No, it, it adds model. to it. It adds to it. Yeah, no, it adds to it. You, you so I I like the cheap, low budget style of the first season uh, a lot. I like the gray look of the ship. I look, I like, yeah, I just like the cheapness well, and we, we the 80s, little, 80s-ness of it. 80s, we'll talk about that, a little jump aside. Uh, I think uh, it, because it reminds me of, of the young ones as well. It's, it's the same faded well, look. Very, not to, 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 I mean, the young ones and, and Red Wolf, in that sense, are not a million miles apart because for all intents and purposes, the young ones were pretty much ins- trapped inside the house. They never really yeah. left it. Yeah. So in that sense, they were in, inside a spaceship, as it were. In an alien enough world at that. They might as well have been. Yeah. So, uh, everybody's dead. Uh, every, everybody's ter- turning into the, the, condensed milk. The, 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 yeah, there was a nuclear accident. The, the, the core of the ship uh, exploded because of the improperly fixed drive plate. I mean, a ship with that few sa- fail-safe seems improbable. But it's all a plot device. They never made anything out. It was never explained, incidentally, because as I said, later on it was explained that Rimmer could not possibly have been responsible for the drive plate accident, leaving us to wonder, well, then, how exactly did it happen? But anyway, the point is, the, the reactor went, went, exploded and sent a wave of deadly radiation. Cadmium, too, it is said. That it's, well, cadmium has no uh, long-term radioactive isotopes, and there is no material I'm aware of that has a <laughs> half-life that requires three million years, because that's what we're getting to, three million years of isolation. Holly was overcautious. Uh, well, maybe... We shall. We don't know. Maybe the radiation thing to him as well. But anyway, Lister was in stasis uh, for his punishment, and then the the reactor went uh, gablooey, and everybody died except Lister, who was in stasis, and except for the cat, the cat, or at least uh, the, the uh, generations of cats. That was later. Three yeah. million let's, years. Let's, let's get. That, that, but the, the, well, if you. The kitty, the kitty, the Frankenstein had crawled into a duct, or, or Lister had put her into a duct, and she had just gone, what kept going as cats apparently do, and saved, sealed herself in the hold of the ship, which, unlike the living quarters, for some reason, were were shielded from the radiation. Yeah, don't shield the living quarters, shield the hold. Well, shield don't both, shield right? the people. Well, actually, that's not unthinkable because they were a mining vessel. So, I mean, perhaps it was shielded to keep radiation from getting out rather than in. They're a mining vessel, but they are constantly flying through space. But there's a huge asteroid 
embedded in the ship, and I guess they mine the asteroid? Well, it's, it's never properly explained, but so, it, it, somewhere it says that it, perhaps during construction or after it, the, the asteroid, it's not a very big asteroid, crashed into the, the vessel itself, and, um, and then was integrated into the ship, <laughs> which is probably cheaper than having it removed, and then mining it, I don't know. Yeah, because I don't think you'd fly a ship around in the hope of being embedded by an asteroid that you can mine. Oh, it's it's even not even inconceivable that they started out with the asteroid, converting it into a ship, and this is what they ended up with. Budget constraints. It was once stated that the ship had actually been ended up. <sighs> so maybe it started out with an asteroid, and they built a little thing on it, and that grew to be a ship, and then they just flew away with the I'm asteroid. Just, I'm just I'm just spitballing here, man. Just build the ship around the asteroid. Why not? Why not? Yeah. I know at least it's one other science fiction concept where, well, where that was in fact a, a, a concept, a asteroid-based spaceship. Well, it, after all, it's all about money. It, it, the, 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 the ship was built by not by a government but by a company, the Jupiter Mining Corp. I had Jupiter Mining from, Corp. Yeah, from Jupiter or Jupiter Jovian moons. I don't yeah. think they were on Jupiter. Again, that's Cloud City type thing. Yeah, yeah, it's Lando Carusian. I can see it. <laughs> Well, again, uh, again, a company, you know, commerce, money. Money is the bottom line. That that comes around across a lot in this series. It's 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 not a very it's not a very Star Trek universe at all. Humanity no. has not progressed at all. No, they 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 still drink and smoke. I love the fact that they smoke on on the ship. Oh yeah, that if, if, that's, no, that's a concept. That, that's a science fiction concept that that I think that was the last decade that that was possible to. Yeah, it's also to put that on television, and I love the fact that he puts it in his ear. I've, I, I've done that a lot, walking around with a, a lit cigarette in my ear. And he still doesn't get. You can't smoke that way, ladies and gentlemen. It's and it, it looks stupid, and but it made me laugh and make no, me feel like Lister. Smoke. He's, 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 he actually he's put out a cigarette right now, but he was smoking before. Which, although unhealthy, is good for the atmosphere. I should say it's it very helps much like a recording studio. Get going now. exactly. Old the old-fashioned the old studios fashion. in the eighties where you smoke. The lighting is. Regardless, Red Dwarf, all right. The Cadmium 2 explosion has occurred and, and everybody's dead. Everybody's dead, Dave. The computer responds by putting the ship in quarantine to save its one single remaining crew member. Even Kachansky, she's dead, Dave. Everybody's dead, Dave. And reduced to small piles of, of, of ashes, apparently. It's never explained whether this is due to time or duration of radiation. Even Peterson... He's dead, Dave. Everybody's dead. Everybody's dead, Dave. The litany uh, that the DJ is currently, uh, as it were, uh, what's the word reciting yeah. is is well, what we hear after Lister is taken out of, of or coming out of stasis. Well, stasis is is a is a, is a technological or, or a way to travel through time, as it were. It freezes you not not physically, does not with cold, but in time through a quantum mechanical process. As Todd Hunter explains... The stasis room creates a static field of time. See, just as X-rays can't pass through lead, time cannot penetrate a stasis field. So, although you exist, you no longer exist in time, and for you, time itself does not exist. You see, although you're still a mass, you are no longer an event in space-time. You are a non-event mass with a quantum probability of zero. But, but I'm prepared to believe that, 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 that a scientist... Uh, I'm, I bet Stephen Hawking could, could go and explain this in a way that actually makes sense to another physicist. I, I like the quantum probability of zero. That almost sounds like it means something. Well, it's, I, I, th- I think it does. Uh, anyway, let's talk into quantum mechanics uh, just yet now. Uh, well, we can probably, but Copenhagen interpretation, Schrodinger's cat. Oh, cats again. But 
Lister comes out of stasis, and that's where it becomes a different, a different kind of show. Because, you see, we don't actually get to see the explosion. It just switches from Lister going into stasis. We see uh, an outside long shot of the ship, and then stasis booth goes off. Lister comes out, and he says, hmm, where is everybody, basically? And then the ship's computer, Holly, pronounced to, uh, proceeds to explain to him that everybody's dead, Dave. And, and, and of course, he cannot really believe that. It's, it's such an insane thought. And then he, he, may, he uh, goes to the next level. Next, how long have I been out? Three million years. Three million years. Three million years. They could have made it three thousand or three hundred, actually, but three million years. And so, uh, Lister is the last human alive. He is believed. They don't really make a point of that uh, yet, but they 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 do. And uh, uh, Grant and Naylor, they had the intention of making him uh, the last human alive, yeah. and that's why they they. But they wanted Rimmer there still, but uh, so they made him uh, a hologram, and they didn't opt for a robot yet. And uh, but also, it's not yet explained. But it, we come to that in in later episodes that. Why, of all the people on the ship, is Rimmer preserved as uh, as a hologram, and not maybe not? Why not Kachansky, who he's in love with? Although that would be probably more horrible because he would have yeah. right in front of him the and woman. He he, the woman, her. yeah, exactly, the woman he loves, and he can't he can't touch her. As I said, I, I listened to the commentary versions of uh, of this show, and I like the fact that uh, they got the last names of everyone from classmates. That they had so uh, Rimmer and uh, Lister and this is new information to me, ladies and, and gentlemen. Uh, 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 Hollister, I guess Captain Hollister as well. They were oh. all names of classmates and Kach- Selby, Chen, and Kachansky as well. And Kachansky was the class bully, apparently, which is, which is ironic because I know if you know CP Grogan, but she is the tiniest elf in everything. And plus, she's far. She's not the bully. She's the love interest. She the is. Interest. She is his his holy grail. Yeah, in, in in the TV show, as I said, she broke his heart in a novel. Yeah, and then later on they they bring her back, and all the love is gone. But again, that's well, that's lots, complicated of, lots story. of series, lots of series in the future. Where we'll see if we can talk about that. Well, Rimmer is a hologram, and and he's oh well, all the people. Well, it, it is Rimmer. Rimmer is still himself, despite being dead. And have been resurrected after three million years. He's maybe even more so himself. Even more so, perhaps frustrated, paranoid. Oh yeah, of course he was still frustrated because of his his, his space navigation, astro navigation exam. Rimmer is obsessed with becoming an officer. He doesn't want to be a lowly technician. He hates it. He wants to rise up to the ranks, mainly because of well the pressure of his family, which is not really gone into in the in in this show. You save that for later. But he wants to become an officer yeah. desperately, but he can't because. He is not qualified. He's always trying to pass the astro-navigation exam, and he fails every time. Including one time where he wrote down, instead of anything useful, the term I am a fish 400 times. We don't even see it happening. It's just they they describe the event, and there's lots of nice callbacks to it. And this time he tried to... This is actually shown in the episode. He tried to cheat this time by writing the answers all over his body. And then he... he, it, it, It fails in the end because he's so nervous, he sweats, and it all runs... So he he, he he has a blackout. He just put a, puts a black handprint on the paper and he passes out. I'd, I'd like to speak technically on the method of cheating mm-hmm. that Rimmer uses. Because he writes all over his all arms over his and all, all over his legs. Now, I'd, I'd, I have no qualms with writing on your arms. 
I've done that myself. It it works. You you roll up your sleeve a little bit, and you can you can look at what you've written, and you can it use that. But it's all he's he, he's all over all over his legs. How is he gonna look at his thighs? He has to take down his because he's wearing long. He's wearing shorts when oh, he's revising, but when he goes to in into the exam, he's wearing long trousers. Does he t- intend to take his trousers off to read the answers? And also, he makes a rookie error. He wrote everything on his uh, uh, on his on his body with a felt tip. Now everyone yeah, knows that felt tip runs. What you need to do mistake. is you need to use a ballpoint. A ballpoint, the ink dries out much much better, and it 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 doesn't run uh, nearly as much. Oh, so see. these are two. Rookie error, rookie mistakes that that Rimmer makes here. The, the so I, I, I'm not, I'm not surprised that he never got anywhere because he can't even cheat. Again, in the novel, it was more, more, more dramatic than that because uh, it, he wrote it over because he had actually revised properly this time, as he always fails to do because he spends uh, most of the time creating a, a revision table, and by the time he finally gets to use it, it's way too far in the time, and then he panics, fails to revise, and on day itself fails miserably. This time he had done it properly and. Through a mistake because he'd missed out a month of time. I won't go into that. He had actually using the stasis booth himself to prevent himself from aging uselessly. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, he, all his spare time in. I remember this from the book. He's, Rimmer spends all his spare time in, in stasis. So he never socializes. He just goes to work and all the other time he spends in stasis so that he can save up a, a couple of weeks every year and just uh-huh. be a little bit younger. Yeah, he's 30 now, physically. Instead of thirty-one, as he is chronologically, and and it's even worse because in the novel he is actually on his way to the stasis booth at the moment the drive plate blows. Oh, the, oh, oh! So I'll be afraid that the moment that moves is here, so here was he not? You'll see. Lovan, the next episode movie. Lister has just come out of stasis. Rimmer has just greeted him in his inimitable way, and they're going walking through the hallways, and then they suddenly are confronted by, as you said, the cat. Oh, wonderfully played by Danny John Jules, who's a dancer, which shows which he's a he's a great choice. Casting, they we've talked about uh, other 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 uh, other people that auditioned, but I cannot imagine anyone else. They were all, it was very strange. I mean, they they had different ideas. Um, Craig Charles, of all people, got got in quite tangentially drawn in because they asked him for advice. He was at the time. I don't think he was an actor per se. He was a sort of a stand-up poet. Yeah. As, as I, I mean, a stand-up poet. That is so eighties, isn't it? Oh, that's 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 very eighties. I don't know if they still exist, but they still asked Jupiter's him for used to be one on the role of the cat because they thought I think they thought it might be racist because the cat I should expound here is by by human standards is a moron. Well, we've just discussed Lister, and he's not the sharpest knife in the book. But he's definitely smarter than the and cat. And Rimmer is not not smart. It's full of stupid people. Yes, sir. And the cat never had, of course, never had a formal education. I mean, Captain I Hollister was not that smart. The whole ship is basically... It's basically a ship of, of underachievers. Or overachievers, considering where they are. They're in space, and they're idiots. Yeah, but... but yeah, what could you call it? That would have been an interesting series, but we got that later, I think, in, in Supernova, wasn't it? I it guess it shows space. how far computers have come in this future. Well, that's that's the point. Holly oh. could easily run the ship on his own. He doesn't really need a human crew. It's They're basically there because, well, it's their ship, essentially. And they do the mining, of course. Yeah, there aren't any robots in this, in, in, in this first episode, well, apart from the scutters. 
There are yep. no skitters in the episode, are there? I don't. I think so. I I, I no, think I, I vaguely we just rem- yeah. saw it. They were in the in the revised because a couple of years later. Oh no no no! no. But I think there's a, a little scutter uh, somewhere in a in a scutters. corner, not doing but not doing much. Scutters, but they're I, useless. They're not Scus- useless. They're, they're just they basically. They could, I shall expound a little. A scutter is a is a rolling base with a service arm on top. The arm he has as a sensor, one it's eye, like a and hand. It's a hand. It's a hand. It really it's is a hand, a hand on wheels. When they when they actually touch thing, it's just an, an actor's arm in the in in, in, in the rubber yeah. uh, hose thingy. But uh, the scutters. Well, they are the only robots we get to see if we get to see them in series one, and that's much later. We hear there are humanoid robots and very advanced ones as well. But more interestingly, as 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 artificial intelligence goes, there's Holly, the ship's computer and brain, who runs everything. Played by Norman Lovitz. Virtually everything, except he was from the, the first dispensers. one cast. Apparently, yeah. they they knew. Okay, we, they knew. Okay, we want Norman for something. Norman Lovitz, such a strange man. I've I've, I've seen him in a serious uh, documentary once on public hygiene. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, he played a role from a guy in, in the in the nineteenth century who just discovered that that. Uh, that hygiene is, is about bacteria, and he was shocked. Ah, but Norman Lovett, he's still he's still going strong. He does a lot on on the internet, and he does. Uh, I I still do uh, see him do uh, s- online sketches, and he still does a lot of stand up. And uh, I I love it. On t- uh, do you ever go to Chortle? Chortle.co.uk. It's no. it's uh, the best com- comedy site uh, out there. Sure and uh, he he co- he sometimes Never. posts comments on there as well, and he's always very funny. I should read that. I wasn't used to him. See, the thing is, I came into, as I said, I came into Red Dwarf uh, in Series 3 when uh, when Hill, uh, Hattie Hayridge was, was already oh, Holly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when, uh, <laughs> well, we How lucky it. are they to have two such great people? To, they both are perfect well, for sure the role, but different. Well, lucky implies that you just walked into the studio one day and by accident. No, no, it's it's design. When I, I see one, I don't miss the other. I don't think, oh, I wish I saw Norman, or oh, I, I wish oh, I saw Hattie. I just, I love that they both got a big shot at it. And there are a couple of, yeah, exactly. And there are a couple of episodes of them together. They could have been together all the time. Hello, Hilly. They could have been Hello, a, sh- a split personality from the get-go, as far as I'm concerned. That would have been wonderful. And interesting, but, yeah. too. But initially, it was it was Norman Lovett. As the super intel, initially, of course, before the accident... In, in present time, well, their present time, he's a super intelligent computer with an IQ of 6,000, or as later said, 6,000 PE teachers, <laughs> which should tell us something about the scholastic <laughs> background of the writers. I don't know much of PE teachers. My experience is generally good with them. It's because our PE teachers doubled as teachers in other uh, classes as well. So they were more rounded, as it were, as people. I guess Grant and or Naylor were not as lucky uh in yeah. their school days suffered the abuse at the hands of PE teachers at public schools wherever they went to to school uh, regardless uh, super intelligent I don't I can't, I can't see the, I can't see Grant and Naylor having gone to the, to a public school but I might be oh is it like Grant Naylor Wikipedia and it actually gets to uh, it's, yeah Rob, Rob Grant and Doug Naylor yeah and the despite claims to the contrary they are very much two separate people yeah and they used they, they had a big falling out uh, uh, w- which I'm sure we'll get into uh, in, in later episodes, but as far so as I know, they're f- they're f- they can uh, they're f- they're fine again. Well, of course, I mean, yeah. Well, you can have f- anyway. Yeah, well, they started out as as a, as a unity. They even can claim they were a Gestalt entity, one mind in two bodies. Oh, and it worked. The more Gestalt they were, the better. 
Red I, I agree. The, first, the, the best episodes with, with the best synergy. They, they, they were in first, I think feel that we're in the first, obviously, in the first few series. But in the, first, the second series is probably the, the most... Well, perfect is, the, is a bad word. Really, second to third series. After that, it became more more technical. It looked better, definitely mm-hmm. looked better, and some of the really good episodes. But as a sitcom, the early episodes, I felt yeah. Well, the, with the with the small core, I think that that helps, and yeah. less less distractions. Yeah, you know, the, there's just these. There, there's just this: uh, the last human, the hologram, and his cat, and a cat, mm-hmm. and a crazy computer. And they're on a gigantic ship, three million years in the future. They're they're lost in space now. What basically, is, I should, I should, and I, I, this is without. And I like this is all without all the distraction of the the the, the what are the bugs? What were the little ships called later? The bugs oh, and Starbug and Starbug and all those other things. By the way, you know it's it's all fine, and I don't wish them out of the Red Dwarf universe. But no. I really I really love the the atmosphere, the the claustrophobia, and like yeah it's claustrophobia and agoraphobia all in one the and, situation and that of, they're of, in of, of fear of loneliness the feeling of of being actually it was a really dark concept exactly I, that's the last the darker human it was being yeah. in the universe probably we don't know because the thing is as the ship uh, is is lost as it were i mean it started out inside the solar system somewhere around the orbit of of saturn i think but then the accident happened and the ship flew out of the solar system to avoid radiation danger to other people which is silly but whatever uh, as fast as good and it never stopped flying as the series picks up three million years again in the future the ship is moving at extreme speed it has gradually been accelerating all this time which is no mean feat considering how big the ship is. Like I said, about six miles in length. And and, and it's at, at the plot point of the second episode is in fact that uh, the ship is now approaching the speed of light and all the problems thereof. Um, the point, I mean, flying that fast at speeds approaching light speed for three million years means that they are very, very, very far out into space. So they're very far away from home. He's completely alone. His only companion is a man he, he unashamedly hates and who is dead and a companion who is not human, although he mostly looks human. And he acts very human. But still, uh, despite this bleak scenario, at the end of the episode, uh, ah. they, they, it ends with a smile because uh, Lister is very happy and he, he finds out that he is part of cat myth oh yeah but yeah. he is not known as Lister he is known as Cloister the Idiot no no no, no, no. Cloister the Stupid oh yeah you're right Cloister the Stupid I'm sorry Cloister the Stupid who saved the cat Holy King. Mother yeah uh, the Virgin Birth <laughs> the Virgin Birth yeah I, 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 I love it like Tom on Titan well that, that's we should probably <coughs> go into into a cat origin area for a bit because last week we saw the, the cat Frankenstein who was apparently pregnant at the time she was uh, running into uh, the hold of the ship uh, right before the accident, hours perhaps. And as she was pregnant, she gave birth in the, the, the ship's uh, cargo hold. And uh, that's for the whole thing. Of course, when it does mean that the cat race is the is, is based on a, well, a complete incest, really. Everyone in the species is fairly directly related to each other as they were all descended from one single mother cat. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. It was later implied that at least some radiation made it into whole, causing a slew of mutations which accelerated their evolution. Otherwise, there really is no explanation for why an ordinary cat 
much as I love cats, I don't consider them particularly high flyers, uh, evolved into uh, the equivalent of human beings in just three million years, which is, well, I mean, because I'm not gonna, I can't hang on to the science too too tightly, all as much as my geek side wants to. Uh, in, in what is essentially a comedy show. As I said before, there is no, no radioactive ice still with a three million year half-life. <laughs> yeah, Feel yeah, free yeah, yeah, to, yeah, yeah, to yeah, correct yeah. me. You said that you, what I like is that uh, when we come to these cat myths, uh, the cat looks looks uh, looks left of the camera in sort of holy reverie when he talks about uh, Lister the Stupid and how he saved uh, the Holy Mother. And but when Lister uh, and uh, and, he, uh, and that uh, cloister would lead them to Fujal, the Promised Land, and then Lister, oh no, it was me, and I, I mean, it's not, it's Lister the stupid, and it's Fiji, but the cat is wholly unimpressed. And he also with, says with Lister, and he, he, as exalted as he sounded when he talked about oh. the myths, he 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 does in the first episode. He, he he's, well, he he's less reverential about it. That. The Holy Mother, the Virgin Birth, <laughs> no one believes that stuff. The Holy Mother, saved by Cloister the Stupid, who was frozen in time and who gaveth of his life that we might live, who shall returneth to lead us to Fushao, the promised land. Still, he... Uh, well, it turns out he was mostly raised by a, by a priest, but we'll get into that later. So We don't know much about the cat at this point, except that he's dressed impeccably, but there's a lot he doesn't know. Lister... Uh, here's the cat myth, and he's in, in, uh, emboldened to uh, go back to Earth, and he says, the slime's coming home. Yeah, That's this is because because uh, because Rimmer compared him to slime. Hmm. Yeah, if he finds it depressing that the last living human, in all probability, is is Dave Lister, who is at the, the very most an underachiever. I should probably shed some light here on, on exactly what kind of person he is. The thing is, he was, he's 25 years old at the beginning of the series, and uh, how he ended up on Red Dwarf is he was originally from Earth, our Earth, which is uh, pretty crappy. I mean, in the novelization, you never really get to see Earth except uh, different Earths in different time periods or alternate Earths uh, in Red Dwarf when the plot points going back to Earth is never realized as such in the series, at least not so far. You pro- should probably end the series with that if they ever choose to do that. I don't know. There has even I hope they tie a bow in it I at, at one, so. one time. And there's yeah. a lot of things they should really do something about. Put a, put Not that, that I don't want. I I don't mind if they go on for for another twenty years, but and they, I they, don't oh. care if if. The, I, yeah, I I think they can always make something. If they decide to make something, it's going to be something worthwhile enough for me to the watch. The series has been going on for twenty seven years now. I mean, going on. I say with they came on incidentally on the year in the year after the year that that Doctor Who was cancelled the first time, nineteen eighty seven. And the next year, they were them. I, I'm not going to say they were a follow-up, but... Well, actually, they, they came in to fill a, another slot left open by a series that was cancelled, is my understanding, and the bu- budget is, was used for Red Dwarf. Yeah, no, uh, Ben Elton was going to write another show, and then he decided not to write one, and they used the budget uh, allocated to, to that. Mm-hmm. They uh, had by uh, somehow managed to... Or Paul Jackson, I don't remember. But anyway, uh, they used uh, that slot of the new Ben Elton thing to uh, to film this. And I'm, and, I'm, and I'm glad they did. I'm glad they did. I yeah, I'm very, very glad. Are. So let's... Uh, wait, wait, wait. I'm, I still wasn't finished with oh, my pardon. Lister story. Sorry. He was on Earth. 25th, 25th birthday. He was celebrating his 25th birthday with a pub crawl with some of his friends. Uh, and at near the end of the evening, he was so incredibly drunk that when he woke up again, he was on Mimas, which is one of the moons of Saturn. 
And he couldn't remember how he got there. He didn't have his identification papers, but he did have one belonging to an Emily Birkenstein. And now he had to find his way home. But he didn't have uh, work papers, so he really couldn't get a job. And now he had to hustle up the money to get back home again. And that's what he was doing when he uh, when when he met Rimmer first time. He met Rimmer. He was working as an illegal taxi driver. He'd stolen oh, a taxi, yeah, yeah. basically, as he did to gather money. And uh, then he ran into Rimmer, who was wearing a fake mustache and was planning to go to the red light district, although he claimed he was going to have enjoy some mimosian uh, cuisine in some fancy restaurant. Likely story. But uh, having heard about the, the name drop, the Space Corps, and uh, Rimmer said immediately that he didn't think they would take someone like him, perhaps that was already enough, that sort of challenge of authority to him. Mm-hmm that he signed up to the Space Corps. He figured he could get aboard a Space Corps ship as, I don't know, a cleanup guy. Oh, and get back home. And get yeah, back yeah, home. Yeah. Unfortunately, the Red Dwarf was going to Earth, but they didn't mention that it was going by way of the outer solar system, <laughs> doing about uh, 12 months of mining after taking 18 months of getting it, and then go back to Earth. Total trip, four and a half years, which was bad enough. Which is a cinch compared to three million years. Uh, yeah, but he didn't know that at the time. But anyway, he had his affair with uh, Kurchensky, and that made him decide to uh, get himself uh, stasis locked uh, that's that's in the novel yeah. and not uh, in the not in the TV show give some background he's, it's, it's also mentioned that he was not uh, born per se but he was oh yeah he was he's found in a box on oh, a pool yeah, yeah, table yeah. cardboard box in a pool table this and is mentioned later in the in the in TV the, show, the show yeah. yeah and his birthday is given is uh, October 14th ha 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 is that a, why is that a joke International like, Animal Day October 4th is, Fourth. is, oh. is Animal Day. No, well, they shouldn't have overlooked that then. Well, anyway, regardless, officially his birthday is October 14th. Okay. The first... Uh, Red Dwarf was quite successful from, from the get-go. The first episode got 5 million viewers. I, I don't know how successful it is at the time. Um, that is... that is Yeah, that's quite successful. About 8% of the viewers? No, actually, it's probably more viewers, but... Compared to what? It to was on, but it was late on late late on BBC ah, Two. Well, no, that yeah. Anyway, apparently it was uh, it was very good. I heard on the in the commentary version to mention that one again. I heard Craig Charles misremember that because he says that oh everyone uh, comes up to me and says yeah 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 I watched the first episode of Red Dwarf, but Craig Charles was under the impression that only five hundred thousand people saw the first episode, but it, it's. Actually, uh, actually, five five million, but it's a it's a good start to the show. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's they establish uh, one they establish the characters very well, yeah. and plus they establish very well what type of show it's going going to be, a type of show that will surprise you. It's n- it's not going to be your average. It's a bit postmodern, wasn't it? Really. It, um. I think it it was nicely deconstructing yeah, things. Yeah, that's, that's that's and at the time it was still very fresh. You know, yeah, 1988. This was yeah. This was still the time of the one, and that sort of thing needed to be done. When I mean, these days, it's old deconstruction. It's all getting a bit old, isn't it? And I love the fact that they really go after uh, science fiction concepts, and they never reference any particular no. science fiction or any no, other no, 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 no. popular culture. Nothing Not is specifically. All. all the pop culture is made up. The zero g football. Yeah, that's it. It was a whole culture invented for for yeah. the background of the series. And oh, and I have never been able to. Uh, still, I've been able to obtain the, the, the origin of the name Red Dwarf. Although the show itself, apparently, which the, the, the original, uh, the original concept was was 
You mean why they called the ship Red Dwarf? Yeah. You don't know that? The, the Sears and the, and the show. Why? I don't know. I think they just thought it was a, a cute name. I don't know. Yeah, but no. I've never heard them go talk about that in depth. Me neither. Yeah. A Red Dwarf, incidentally, is a main sequence star, smaller than the sun, and so cool that it's red instead of yellow, which can last a very long time. A Red Dwarf is typically very old and not very strong, so maybe that was the idea behind naming the ship, which is, after all, an old clunker uh, after something like that. I don't know. The the shuttles of the ship are, are named similarly. A blue midget, a white giant. Maybe it's, it's just an ironic nickname, like calling a very large man tiny. And then calling a huge red ship a dwarf. Yeah. Possibly. I mean, it seems about corporate humor, that level. Uh, the, 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 yeah, it's, the, the name is being painted on the ship as, as part of the, uh, the opening sequence. Yeah, you see, you see Lister's well, face. Well, someone in the spaceship. Uh, it sp- looks like they've sort of projected Lister's face could in be, there. Could be. It might be. Why would it be projected? It's, it's a person in a suit. Why yeah, but him? I know. I, I agree. But his, his face doesn't look like it's really there that might just be some strange effect of the of the of the, the helmet, of, of the of the helmet and and the, the light falling through it but it 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 it's looks like it's projected painting on a very it. large spaceship the matter. red dwarf yeah yeah a large and ugly spacecraft as a as a first episode if we saw it now, yeah, we we would continue watching. Oh, absolutely. As as as, as yeah, as, I mean, as we it, did. It looked simple, uh, but you know, it was an establishing shot. It said, "Yeah, Red Dwarf." Okay, so this is the end of our uh, first episode. We yep. sort of made it up as we uh, went as we along. went along. Yeah. Second episode, I'm sure, will be uh, even more interesting than this one, and should be about the uh, the episode. Um the episode oh yeah time, uh, no wait um, I, Future Echoes I think that's the, that's the called, next episode okay next anyway episode, whatever it is you, uh, you the second episode will be the next uh, next episode we'll be talking about that so please uh, please give us five stars uh, please review our podcast uh, please like us on Facebook if we decide to make uh, a Facebook page Who knows? Uh, we'll definitely put up a Twitter and we'll f- but we'll talk about that next week because we don't yet know what the Twitter handle is I'm sure it will be uh, hilarious. And we don't have a... uh, As of yet, we don't know what the podcast uh, is going to be called, but you do. So I hope you like the title. And uh, so it's... uh, Yeah, it's goodbye from us and see you next time. Bye-bye. That was episode one of Ruganano, hosted by Leonard and the Danya. That's me. The credit music is Japanese Sandman by Django Reinhardt and Stefan Grappelli, which is a 1937 recording and thus now very much public domain. I'm no fool. The microphones used on this episode were provided by Brian. If only I hadn't set too close to mine. The show is on Twitter, although the handle is far from hilarious, but rather practical, at Ruganano. Any news too fast or furry to wait for the next podcast will be announced there. For instance, any updates on the suit filed by the Jingle Reinhardt estate. That's at Ruganano. 